Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. This is the show where we look at movies and they made a lot of money and we're like, wow, the world's wide open sea of money. And sometimes you need a man to grab all that money. What type of man? An Aquaman. We are your co-hosts. I am Christian Simpson, and with me as always is... Juan Mehta. Juan, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I saw right. a superhero movie sometime oh. in the recent past. Wow. And I will see two more superhero movies in the recent future. Were they within the days of future past? We're not watching that one because no X-Men movies made this list. Yeah, yeah. Not a single one. You mentioned off mic that we're in the month of superhero movies, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Infinity Wars was before Incredibles, and I was like, oh, that's five movies straight. But no, it was not. No, you're forgetting Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. If we took that movie out, it would have been Black Panther, Infinity War, Incredibles, Aquaman, Captain Marvel, Endgame. I'm happy for that respite. <laughs> well, we, we're past the respite. What's a respite? Whoa. Like a break. Yeah. I like that word. I like that word. You're a smart person. You know, you know who else is smart? <laughs> the star of this movie. What is this movie, Paul? You, you said it's the Aquamarine Lad. <laughs> Aquamarine Lad starring uh, Sarah Evans, uh, Jojo, and Emma Roberts. Is I don't know what you're referencing. Oh, you're not familiar with the, the teen comedy from mid-2000s, Aquamarine? No. I, I was... I was dragged to it by my family and my cousins always teased me because they say I was crying during. And let's you, be honest, I was probably crying during it. You're, you're telling me Aquamarine had uh, the star of nerve in it? Mm, star of nerve? Squeam creep? Why? Squeam creep. <laughs> Squeam. I Squeam creams. The cough drop in my mouth. Scream queens. Star of... Uh, uh, Unfabulous on Nickelodeon. I swallowed my cough drop. Well, now you have that beautiful sound in your ears, dear listener and viewers. Both alike. <laughs> I swallowed my cough drop because I knew my body knew that this is serious time. All right. Because we're talking about Aquaman starring right. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. God bless Jason Momoa. Aquaman, directed by James Wan, with a budget of one hundred sixty to two hundred million dollars, was released on uh, December twenty first, two thousand eighteen. It opened to sixty seven million dollars in its opening weekend. However, Christmas weekend, so the five day weekend total of a hundred million dollars would be number one for three weekends until it was uh, dethroned by what is it? You guessed it, the upside. Do you what remember the upside? I don't. I don't. It was a remake of the uh, the French film, uh, The Untouchables, I believe it is. It's it, oh. it, the remake starred Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. And although Aquaman, <gasps> oh, that one, that although one, yes. Aquaman was not number one for three week, uh, three weeks. <laughs> Whoa! What is my mind today? Although Aquaman was not number one for three weekends. Uh, friend of the podcast now nicole kidman was because she's also in the upside she was number one for four weeks that is the month of nicole kidman in america 
a press release from Warner Brothers, January 13th, 2019. Warner Brothers Pictures' is Aquaman crosses $1 billion worldwide. The film would go on to gross $335 million domestically and $1.148 billion worldwide. At the time, it was the 54th highest grossing film domestically and 20th worldwide. Currently sits at number 63 domestic and 23 worldwide. Fun facts! Ooh, I like fun when they're facts. Aquaman is the highest grossing film of all time, not adjusted for inflation, based on a DC property, and the second highest grossing film of all time from Warner Brothers, behind Harry Potter 7-2. Paul, <laughs> what happens in this film? Okay, so we start with uh, Aquaman, N- Nicole Kidman. Uh, she washes up on shore. You okay? Whoa! <laughs> it took. I couldn't unmute. You said Aquaman. Yeah. Wow. Hold on. on to that. Hold on to Go that. On. Um, uh, she washes up on shore, meets this lighthouse dude, and they're like, "Yo, I love, I love you." And then they're like, "Let's have a kid." And then putty monsters from Power Rangers show up. And then it's like, you got to come back to the ocean, Nicole Kidman. And she's like, I'm going to beat you up. And then I'm going to follow what you said anyway. And then, and then the baby's there, but the baby's like, I'm a human, but I talk to the fish. What, how incredible was it that this was the feature film debut of the rapper, the baby? He's like, I talk to the fish and the fish protect me. And then Willem Dafoe shows up throughout his childhood to be like, you could swim in the ocean better than you currently do. And I'm going to teach you how to do that. And then the Zack Snyder movie happens. And then uh, woman, what's, what's the actress's name? Amber Heard shows up, yeah. And then she's like, you got to protect the oceans from your uh, stepbrother. And then he's like, I don't need to do that. But then the stepbrother does the evil. And then he's like, I got to stop him. So he goes around the globe, going to all the different types of oceans, including desert oceans. Keep that in mind. Um, And then he becomes the true Aquaman king of Atlantis. One wonderful, wonderful description. I have one. Uh, some may say it's, it's a nitpick. I think it's a correction. <laughs> you said stepbrother. Yes. They are half-brothers. They share the same mother. There, was, <laughs> there wasn't a marriage that brought them together. It was blood. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. I was trying to invoke something that should not have been invoked. <laughs> what does that mean? Don't worry about it. If you know, you know. <laughs> spirit? Spirit? Horsey, are you here, spirit? So, yeah, that was, that was Aqu- uh, Aquaman. Juan, I, I, I'm going to compare this movie to another movie experience I had, right? Mm-hmm. I bet you people compare Aquaman all the time to 2014's Academy Award winning film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. 
for me, go ahead. They had a similar experience where I sat there, acknowledged the greatness that was there, but my mind just was not there. Sometimes when you watch a movie, your mind is just not there. It's not the movie's fault. It's the world's fault. And so I acknowledge there's a lot of greatness in this movie. Uh, but I need another rewatch. So I, I, I don't think this has as many layers as something like uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Juan, Juan, they're underwater and then there's <laughs> deeper water, but there's also land and a plane. That's at oh, least four layers. Okay. There's no metaphorical layers. There's not too many of those. He has a trident and it broke. And then the other trident broke. Whoa. (laughs) Talk about metaphors. Talk about (laughs) metaphors now, all right? I can give you metaphors. Hit me with the metaphors. All right. I want to hear them. (laughs) All right. All right. His hair... His hair represents the, the, the wealth of, of potential he has. That's why it's so long and flowy. Oh, oh, and like there are times when it's dry, which represents how he can be a human. But then there's other times when it's wet, which represents his Aquaman side. But also when it's dry, that's, that's when he's not, he's not uh, giving it what it needs. Right? He's not giving exactly. it its, its supplements. The potential so is losing its supplements. You know what? You you hit me with that one. Ugh. All right. I need I need a couple more hits. I need a couple more hits till I'm knocked out for this one. <laughs> All right, Juan. Did you see the scene when Mira saw the alcohol and controlled it and the alcohol was red? Mm-hmm. Like her hair. Okay. 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 What well, what's the connection there? I need a connection for it to for it to actually land because right now you you're like you're close to the face, but like you're not fully there yet. She's just like alcohol. Because be very dangerous, but also something that you love very much. Oh God. You got you got me with that one. All right. One more and I'm down for the count. <laughs> one more. All right. Everyone loves Randall Park. Sure. Yes. And- yes. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not saying that. I'm done. Let's move on. So I guess I think? survived to see another metaphor fight. Yes. <laughs> that was the Billion Dollar Movie Club's metaphor club. Let's and see. You, and we don't talk about metaphor club unless no. we're in metaphor club. No. This movie broke a rule. It broke a rule. Did you notice that? Which rule? I swear he says the words. Which one? I swear he fight says club? fight club. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, are we allowed to do that within films? I mean, the rule I was surprised he broke is he he mentioned a Disney movie. Mm. Well, no, it was a book. It was a book, and then he said movie, and it could have been a number of movies. It could have been Roboto. Bernini's recent adaptation. I, I forgot there was like 7 million Pinocchios. Yeah. But like it was Boy, it was specifically in reference to the whale. How many of them the, had a whale? No, the whales, uh, that's always in. That's like an original Pinocchio thing because the Roberto, Roberto Benini recent iteration had the whale as well. Okay. Okay. All right. I know Disney owns everything, but not everything. They don't own Aquaman. No, 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 no. Not yet. Not yet. 
So back to my question. What did you think of this movie, Pohan? I love this movie. You know what? The, uh, I had a sneaking suspicion of an idea, and then this oh. movie confirmed it. Whoa. We, we need more horror directors doing huge budget superhero movies. Uh, let's, let's, look, let's look at the history, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi. I think yep. Sam Raimi's yep. the quintessential one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, shouts to James Wan, director of this film, does incredible work. He did, what was it? What did, did he do? Saw, right? And Conjuring? Yeah, Saw. And then, and then he did Furious 7, and then he did this incredible work. Um, who the It's the insidious dude that did Doctor, uh, Doctor Strange, right? Uh, I think his name is like Scott Derrickson. Yes, uh, I, I, I like Doctor Strange a lot. I mean, so for that one, I I wasn't a fan of the character or and the story as much, but the visuals, the visuals were very much on point. And that's what you get with the horror directors that hop. Another example, another example, Shazam. Who directed Shazam? Uh, uh, he's He was actually uh, initially a YouTuber who made uh, horror short films. And then one of them became a big became a full-length feature movie released in theaters called Lights Out. Oh, people like that Lights Out. Yeah. People are a fan of that picture. Uh, the director is David F. Sandberg. Uh, do we count... Did Josh Trank do horror before Fan Forestick? I don't think Chronicle counts as horror. What 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 else has Josh Trank done? I don't know. I don't know. I, but I he, he I, did I, a Capone. He did Capone in twenty twenty. Which one's Capone? Uh, it's, it it stars a person. Uh, let's see who I, it stars. Oh, it's funny. Uh, this po- the first video I see. It looks like uh this the villain of this movie. That we're currently talking about, but Patrick I'm Wilson. not seeing his name anywhere here. So Patrick that's Wilson. Weird. Yeah, it's saying uh, Tom Hardy was the main character. So it was like, Tom Hardy. Un- but under all this makeup, he straight up looks like Patrick Wilson. I, I do. I do think it's interesting your comparison to horror films and uh, superhero. Are you saying superhero or big budget in general? Superhero. Because I do think. A lot of great horror films are about setup and building to that tension, and you can, you can. It's also uh, in terms that. of like, actually, this. It's it very much comes down to the way that the scene is shown as well, like how the monster is revealed and all that. Sure, you sure. have to have a very strong sense of like pacing, um, shot position. And stuff like that for that. I think, you know, horror, horror mm-hmm. films are typically, sl- like, the good ones are slower, and they, they take its time to build. And I, I think when you get that opportunity in, like, a, a big budget movie, that's very nice. I loved, in, in this movie, Aquaman, I loved what Juan does with the prologue. I yes. think the prologue is brilliant, and, and I was not expecting that. I, I, listen, just, just to let you all in on a little secret, sometimes we chat outside <laughs> the podcast. Whisper, whisper, whisper. Some sometimes me and Miss Simpson chat outside the podcast. We we have we have conversations, and like one thing that happened is I I saw that prologue, and then I just texted the ch- a, a mutual chat, 
that we are both in eight minutes in and this movie's a banger eight minutes in and this movie is a banger i feel like we could, we could spend the whole podcast just talking about that prologue you know if anything i think that's actually one of the strongest uh things for this uh the dceu because i also really liked the <laughs> prologue of man of steel which is again i i don't know many people who hold that opinion so we'll we'll talk about the DCEU as a whole. This is the first DCEU and currently only DCEU film in the club. Maybe we'll see how I feel about Joker fitting into that. No, it's, I don't it's know. not. It's not. We'll see. Well, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm a no, hold out judgment. They they officially say it's not in the in the canon. I'm a hold out judgment. Sure, but um, yeah, I like the because Wonder Woman also the original has a prologue as well, right? Which is the the origin of her learning her powers yeah that with arthur and i think that's a great way of 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 gaining the basics yeah the cool sequence and these movies are very good at actually showing you the backstory in like a succinct way that makes you care i think we can say that about the solo movies (laughs) because let's not let's let's not just forget that batman v superman Suicide Squad. I don't know. I feel like Batman v Superman, say what you will about the clunkiness of that beginning, you kind of feel the 9-11 allegory. You feel it. Because of course there's a 9-11 allegory. Yeah. You don't do you remember that one? I do, I do, I do. Have you how which which of we're in the conversation? How much of the DCEU have you seen? I'm I'm think I'm I'm about 50-50. At this point, the only one I'm missing is uh, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm missing Man of Steel, Shazam, uh, Wonder Woman 84, both Justice Leagues. You know what? I, I won't say it's a perfect film, but I really did enjoy the uh, Snyder Justice League. It is a solid movie and something that definitely it was a very unique set of circumstances that that movie was able to be made. Sure, sure. Oh, I'm not I'm not hating on the, the, the Snyder cut at all. I'm just I'm just saying I didn't I didn't watch yeah, yeah. either of them. Um, I will say uh, I had that experience that people worry about when with like the MC all the time that like if you jump into a standalone movie are you going to miss stuff and be a little confused i was a little confused about like his relationship with like mira and how much the the world knew about him that i assume was more established within justice league but uh it didn't bother me it was just like a second of like i don't know what the answer to this is but who cares yeah that's the thing about like going into the solo movies if you don't if you just take some things as like how they're establishing it, you'll be fine. If you don't second guess every single moment, then you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Back to the prologue. Um, I like the start. Uh, you get that sense of Juan's background, the, the dark kind of horror, rainy elements uh, at the very top of the movie. Um, it, it it moves into this this wonderful romance between Nicole Kidman, uh, obviously always great, and then I I didn't realize to 
Timura Morrison, I believe is the dude's name. Uh, he is Jango Fett and Boba Fett now. Hmm. So he, he he's... he's uh, I, I think that's a, a person we don't realize is, is a larger presence in, in Hollywood than than we do. And then he's also the, the dad in Moana. So Still haven't actor. seen that one. Oh, great one. But yeah, wonderful, wonderful actor. And, and he's, he's great in that. Uh, I, I like the time they take uh, setting up that romance. And then you get that great action sequence with uh, Nicole. Again, very much what makes that action sequence is the placement of the camera. So much so. Like you did get moments like in Furious 7 where like you follow their motion you know, like how in Furious 7, there's that moment where like they're slamming into the ground and you follow them with that tilt. Oh, and this he one, uses... and this one, it's on the trident itself. It's like he just attached a GoPro to the trident and that's used, the fight scene. <laughs> he uses that a couple of times in this movie. <laughs> I wanted to bring up something. I think I mentioned it on uh, the last Jedi episode in the, the throne room fight. Mm-hmm. There was that uh, Disney Plus short. Uh, I think it was called Dance Again. And the director was talking about how he was inspired by La La Land, where the camera feels like a third dance partner in the choreography. And I, I think that's very much what Juan does in his action sequences. The way yeah. the camera moves and flows, it's as if it's dancing across the battlefield and you get this incredible uh, awareness of all that's going on as all this shit is happening. Shit just keeps happening. And you never really lose track of what's going on. And there's this wonderful flow. There is something to the visuals. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's the effects, but it's like hyper-realistic looking, I guess. Did, did you get that? So as soon as I saw the costumes of the, uh, the people that were coming to bring Nicole Kidman back. I was like, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to love this movie because there's like, it's so like, it's not going for realism. It isn't. And it's like, I love it because there's like this childlike sensibility to it where it's like bulky, but it's still like really bright. And yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I, fe- I, that, I appreciate that it wasn't going for realism and it lived in this heightened reality and embraced it. Yes, you in in your in the chat you're like, oh Nicole Kidman's incredible. I I hope she gets to star in one of these. And part of what's incredible is that she's game for what this material is. Honestly, like whenever I've seen Nicole Kidman at this point, it's, it just looks like she's having so much fun, <laughs> and I love it. Even even when it's even this when it's like big little lies and it's really depressing. You're like, yes, Nicole Kidman. Yes, Nicole Kidman. I think she's like peak right now she's at the peak of her career and she's great even like i'm not the biggest bombshell fan but i she's my favorite of the trio in bombshell i thought she was really good in that and, and mm-hmm. it's a delight seeing her in this role uh her and 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 i i, I wish i knew how to say this dude's name Timura morrison one full chemistry uh and work very well together very well together one thing i did one thing I was unsure of is like how well this connects like character and thematically with the rest of the movies. But then there, what's interesting is that it does because there's like thematic out, there's like motifs. One of the big motifs from uh, 
the Snyder cut of uh, Justice League for Aquaman like keeps appearing in this movie as well, which is the like water coming in and them just disappearing into it. Are you are you talking about a, a thematic motif or like a visual visual? Okay, it. Uh, it's interesting the evolution of the DCEU, right? Because mm-hmm. it starts off and they're totally trying to copy what Nolan does in Dark Knight. And I think they've, they've found their place with or, uh, the first Wonder Woman, with Aquaman, with even Shazam from the little I know about, I haven't seen it, where there, there's an individuality to each of these movies that, that brings life to it. If anything, uh, I feel like it's that's something that marvel had initially but they lost over time i'd argue depends on the movie i think like an ant-man has a tinge of it but doesn't retain it uh we'll get to captain marvel next week but like i think black panther has it the guardians have has it i think uh thor's like the kookier guardians i don't know i feel like guardians is still connected like it isn't too far out there whereas these movies are vastly different in terms of tone and like yes structure and all that you can argue guardians had an influence on the later films in the same way that like winter soldier did i think maybe yeah but that's a conversation for another day um but yeah it there's a there's a great heightened tone to this film that one captures very well and it it, it never loses energy ah, ah, the one scene i'm like do we need this was when uh they were walking in the desert and kind of arguing it's like this is this is a little goofy this is a little goofy trying to give me some romantic antics. I, I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it. I mean, I, I, I don't because as, as viewers of the pod and listeners of the podcast know, I don't believe in love at all. I didn't believe about, in it, but I did enjoy the banter. What about smellers of the podcast? Uh, listen, if you're a smeller of the podcast, let us know at the email. Ms. Simpson, what's that email again? billion dollar movie club at gmail.com there you go i love how simple it is but whatever you ask me i'm like what is it (laughs) aol is it aol speaking of of the 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 romance uh the two leads of this film jason momoa and amber heard um we can't get around amber heard controversial controversial as much as my mouth doesn't want to talk about this topic right now amber heard controversial figure yeah um i i i have no opinion on on all that it's such a i i don't like listen sometimes there's just toxic relationships where both parties are at fault I, I don't remember and, what we but mentioned. Like, I, I don't know the details of their relationship. I'm not here to like say who's wrong or who's right. Yeah. It is an awkward conversation. And I don't think either of us know enough to actually delve into no. it too deeply. No, not at all. <laughs> I just, it feels like the internet's all on one side and then news comes out and they're like, oh, let's switch sides. It's like, okay, that's a lot. But what so, I will say is if we're comparing their film performances that were coming out at the same time. I'm sorry, I'm on Amber Heard's team. Depp's not <laughs> terrible as Grindelwald. I mean, that's something I can't forgive him for. No, I can't forgive him for not replacing great. Colin Farrell. Terrible. <laughs> He's at the end of the first movie. Yeah. 
I can't I can't forgive him for that. It's not, okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I like Amber Heard in this. I like her a lot. I I I realize I the only other thing I've seen her in is Zombieland, where she plays hot girl, basically. So it's nice to see her act. It is also nice that her character in this doesn't revolve around like I am the hot woman that he has to win over. Yeah. Yeah. I think she gets a lot more than your typical love interest in a in a big blockbuster. Yeah. And I appreciate that. She gets to save him in in the 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 fire fight. Ring she of fire. gets her own um she gets her own action set pieces too. Yeah. Oh, she has great powers. She has incredible powers. That's a lot of fun. Um and then and Momoa. Like, oh no, go, 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 go. And you know, we were talking about how I don't believe in the romance and stuff like that. And usually there's that like kiss that's like, ah, oh, the fine they finally cement the moment where they come together. Hmm. And like it's just like, all right, that has to be in every one of these. No, no, no. This one has explosions in the background, multicolored. I was here for it. Even though it I didn't believe in the character relationship necessarily, I was here for that moment because it looks so spectacular. One is a one and who's the DP of this movie? The, the cinematographer is a person, Don Burgess. I don't know Don Burgess too well. Oh, the dude did Forrest Gump, Castaways, hmm. the first Spider Man. Well, he did. He he directed the uh, uh, cinematography DP. No, he he DP'd the song from uh, the Backyardigans. <laughs> Castaway. <laughs> Muppet? He did the Muppets? Well, that's how he was able to get that connection and make one of the best songs in the backyard again. Castaway. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a great DP. And 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 this this film is a visual feast. Yes. When they first enter Atlantis, I was like, wow. I got hints of like Pandora and Avatar. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know why <laughs> movies just don't like to use the color blue. Have I mean, we seen the color blue used this much since Avatar? See, I think the thing is there's like also like, yes, there's green screens, but I feel like at this point people also use blue screens. So maybe that'll be like hard to work with that. I don't know. I don't What's the difference CGI. between a blue screen and a green screen? I, I don't know. I don't know CGI in depth like that, but I know that's a thing that they sometimes use. Maybe that makes it slightly harder. Was but, it just was it just because we were in that phase when everyone was trying to, to copy Skyfall and Nolan that everything was so dark and gritty that now we're embracing colors again? I also think it might just be harder. Because yeah. the thing is... It's a lot easier to hide your CGI behind like particle effects and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like haze and stuff to like mask where it might not be great. But this mm. movie doesn't go that route. No, they're, they're wonderful. Um, I think of the sequence when Mira and Aquaman are jumping off the ship and they have that, uh, the, the, the light, the, the flash thingy. The, oh, yes. The. And there it's, so, it's the thing so you, if you're like lost at sea and you need to call something, you like light up and you like toss it in the air. I don't know. What do you do with it? I'm not. Flare. A, flare. A flare. That's what it's he, called. He has the yeah. flare. He has the flare and they jump in the sea and there's that beautiful dome of like red surrounding them as they go deeper and deeper in the ocean and it gets darker and darker, but you get the lights from all the weird mer people coming in. Yeah. And, and it's just like that, that wide angle. Okay. In that sense, yes, I could see the comparisons to like a Wes Anderson moment. 
whoa, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> in terms of like, <laughs> which very actually no, it's not. I would say very blue film. That's just it is not. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I have it right there. It's very blue, but that's not the movie. <laughs> I was very confused. But you got that scene. Uh, I I found the war sequences to be a little too much, especially because it started without Aquaman there. I didn't find myself too invested, but it's a wonderful spectacle. And again, the way the camera moves and flows, it it's it's like a wonder, but also like have like a Rube Goldberg machine as it's passed along. And I was just like, wow, this is. A, I wish I saw this in theaters. What I what I like about this movie is that it it kind of does take like cues from a a good amount of the movies around it that have worked. And like okay. uses it to make its own thing, like how to establish different factions from like Black Black Panther. It's very odd that this came out the same year as Black Panther. There's a lot, oh, yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of similarities that I don't know. It was released ten months before, but like it probably was done. They wouldn't have time to actually like time. steal ideas from it. But it's interesting seeing those parallels. The parallels thematically of like the outsider and the outside world and the merging and and the bridge if anything this could be kind of seen as an inverse black panther in terms of its story how so because in black is, panther, is aquaman you... like the killmonger that yes they, they, that oh, i see i see i see because they're both like related into the family as like a high member of the so- society through birthright sure sure and yeah but there there it does mesh with a uh, mesh whoa tackles a lot of similar ideas and themes but like tone wise very different <laughs> yes yes very different except andy circus i bet you put andy circus character what was his character claw ulysses claw if ulysses claw was in this movie he'd fit yeah as i say that i don't know if i'm right um, I feel like no, because uh, Black Manta isn't exactly Claw. No, I well, no, because because when I think of this movie, Aquaman, right? I think mm-hmm. of Momoa's larger than life charismatic performance. It feels like he's the next of the Rock. You know, like, it's, it's funny that levels of charisma. It's funny because like when I was when I was watching like the original justice league that was released in the theaters and stuff like that, people were talking about Momoa's charisma and, and like as a selling point. And I was like, I just don't see it. And then I saw the Snyder version and I was like, okay, he might have something there, but then I saw this movie now and I'm like, I'm here for Momoa. I'm here for Momoa. Because we get to focus on it. We get to focus on him. Like, you know, what was the moment that really sealed the deal for me? What was the moment? The bar, the bar scene. That's a great scene. (laughs) Where did you and like I felt like it was also a great bridge between the like Snyder version of Aquaman and this movie's version. Because like in the Snyder and like Justice League and stuff like that, he is a lot more like closed off and ready for a fight before anything else. And like you get that when the people are like, hey. Are you with that Aquaman dude? And then you can see he's ready to fight. But then they're like, yo, can we get a picture? And then he's still a little closed off. But then a few drinks, and he's like, hey, we're buddies. <laughs> I like that the dude who asks him for a picture pulls out like a pink iPhone or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like this touch. I like this touch. 
And like also the way that that like you get a sense of that like fun night at the bar just through all those picture montage. It was great. It's such a great sequence. It's, it's so a very good. fun sequence. Very fun. And and I'd argue not not many that we've seen. Like one of the things I like about the the comedy in this because that's that's what I'm going with this is that you know he's he's fish man. Please, so he's a fish out of water in this movie. Uh, very much like Killmonger. He he calls out the traditional stuff and and the the high high fantasiness of it, and he he he's he's so cool and calm and and relaxed and 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 so you got a lot of a lot of fun comedy of him being like, no, that's stupid. I don't have a, a line in my head. That's what I thought. Well, when you say fish out of water, I was thinking more of the scene where um, they're in the city and Amber Heard starts eating the flowers. <laughs> Sure. She gets her moment. She gets her moment to be a fish out of water. Which uh, it, that also reminded me a lot of the first Wonder Woman, where there was like moments like that with Diana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, talking about the the converging of of themes within the DCEU, there is this this mixture of worlds you get. You can argue that uh, Batman v Superman is about Batman and Superman coming back to, coming together. Uh, Wonder Woman is very much that because she's been so alone on that one island as it comes to the uh, to open world and. You get a walker man here. Uh, I don't know what the fuck happens in Justice League. Man of Steel probably is like that because he's an alien, right? Do you get a world's coming together? No. I mean, no, no. Can we say yes so that I sound smarter with this point I just made? Sure, even though it's literally the opposite message. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen II. One of the great actors we have working today. Wonderful, wonderful actor. Who were they? Yaya Abdul-Mateen was a Black Mantis. Ah, yes, yes, yes. The same year, I believe it's the same, no, sorry, year after, I got a cough. Yeah, I I also really much, I very much enjoyed his introduction into this movie with that, like, which also, you know, I I was talking about with Thanos, how I I never understand what is actually going to hurt him. Hmm. I got a good sense of that during that initial sub fight for Aquaman. Sure. sure. So as I was like say, yeah, yeah, Bill Mateen II, one of the great actors we have today. Uh, he he does Black Manta. What's Manta? Not Mantis. Doi. He does Black Manta. Next year he has Watchmen come out where he's uh he's Doctor Manhattan. He's spoilers. <laughs> If you haven't watched Watchmen right now, you don't know what the fuck I meant when I said Dr. Manhattan. I mean, you could have watched the original and know who Dr. Manhattan is and then like... The movie? Yeah. Or read okay. the book. That's fair. That's fair. And then he's he's he has a minor role, but I think he's great in Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, and and so he, he comes up in this movie. I love... That again, this movie takes its time setting up stuff, and so you build this relationship he has with his father, kind of paralleling uh, Aquaman's relationship with his father, and so it is kind of this tragic. Even though they were like pirates stealing the ship, it is this tragic moment of of him asking Aquaman, "Hey, help my dad again," and Aquaman's like, "No," which oh, again ties into like the introduction of this movie feels like the Snyder influence, but then the rest of the movie is like Aquaman learning to go further away from that in a sense, which I find interesting. 
because that does that also does seem to be something that the wider dceu is trying to do uh can can you i'm missing something can you explain that more just well in terms of like the cynicism and like the and if yourself nature which again justice league is this this snyder version of it does feel like the start where people are more working together but it takes a lot of work to get them to that point so you would say that's a little more remnant of justice league because i I do look back at this movie like that feels so out of character from the rest of aquaman Again, it feels more like the bridge between the two and that for those moments. I, I do think so, like, for example, as uh, a counterpoint, when I was watching uh, Luke Cage after watching Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. in my mind, I was like, th- th- he's a completely different character. God, uh, I did not get that sense from Aquaman from okay. the Snyder Cut to this. It's not too different. Yeah, and whatever differences there are, is there's like a bridge connecting it. I'm, I'm sure it's because because you keep seeing the Snyder Cut specifically. Is it weird referencing uh, a format of a movie that came out after this one? That's That'd be like when we say, that'd be like me saying, oh, Civil War does a great, uh, or me saying, Age of Ultron does a great job of of the WandaVision relationship after watching WandaVision. I mean, again, I saw Snyder Cut first, one. Oh, you saw two. Snyder Cut before you saw the, yes. the original. I, I the just, I, no, no, no. I saw the Snyder Cut before watching Aquaman. Sure, sure, sure. And also the theatrical cut had a lot of like character stuff removed from the movie. To the point where, like, the Snyder Cut version, Cyborg is the heart of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm and uh, the theatrical cut, he's just in the background. And there's so many missing pieces where you're just like, I guess that's happening now. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious because I'm not, I'm not chastising you for references. I think it's very interesting. I referencing mean, a pre the previous the the, the different Aquaman. You know, if w- watching it now versus watching it when it came out, two different lenses because you have two different previous iterations. Sure. Uh, I guess, yeah. Do you, do you have any memories of the Aquaman in the theatrical cut, or or? I'm I just, just remember he he was he liked getting drunk. <laughs> oh, that's not fun. Well, like, sort of in the style of that initial bar scene. Sure. And like he was a protector of like a seaside village. Okay. Which, yeah, it's kind of the character here, but like you don't really get a sense of the person through the original version. Does the theatrical cut give a lot of exposition exposition for Aquaman? Because I assume Snyder Cut gives a lot more, but I'm curious like what was known about Aquaman and what did this movie have to set up differently? Um all the exposition of Aquaman in the theatrical cut was we have to find this dude. He protects the seaside village up north. So nothing. Yeah. Cool, cool. Right. And the thing, so the thing about the Snyder cut is that you don't really, it's not backstory necessarily. You get a sense of the character through their 
dialogue and exchanges with the other people. Like you see the thought processes and like the four hour runtime makes room for that, which is what I really love. But don't you think, you know, they weren't expecting to ever release the Snyder cut. Sure, sure. So don't you think Aquaman's development was influenced by the theatrical cut a bit? I mean, probably, but but this this is all conjecture. This is all conjecture, conjecture, right? But it's just like, that's the only reason I keep asking about theatrical cut, because you would assume that the 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 what was believed to be the final version would influence what happens in the later movies. Sure, sure. Also, totally forgot to write now that Aquaman appears in Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, there was that montage <laughs> of previous of future movies. That shit's not even a montage. No, no, I wouldn't it was call a that whole a scene where they like do yeah. <laughs> like right, you're right. press release trailers. <laughs> I think I think if it was a montage, that'd be better. Then let me click on this square and Aquaman comes up. Let me click on this square. Hey, Flash. Click on another square. Oh, Cyborg. DCEU coming to a theater near you. <laughs> and then another five hours of the movie. Well, okay. So, yes, the DCEU has problems. But overall, I would say that at this point, I think I'm more excited for each DCEU movie that comes out more so than Marvel movies. Because I feel like with DCEU, there's a much wider range of possibilities. I feel like with Marvel, you you know you're going to get like a solid B. Like as a movie. And then with DCEU, it ranges from like Suicide Squad levels of what I consider awful to like Shazam, which has that like spark of Spider-Man one in it. I don't know. I don't know. I obviously it's, it's personal preference. I think, I think we've learned over this podcast that you just don't gravitate toward the MCU as a whole in the same way most people do. Well, Um, it also feels like MCU. I was just saying, I'm just saying, yeah, go ahead. And, uh, and so like, I don't know. I think MCU is more established. You do have an idea of what is cam- coming. So it's exciting when it does feel like it's something a little different. The DCEU still, the weird thing is, Man of Steel is what, 2013? It's been eight years, but they've, they've had such a rough time starting up that it does feel like DCEU is still starting up. And so there's more possibilities because we don't know, like, are they still doing a Green Lantern movie? What is this Flash movie coming out where where there's all these news about, like, Michael Keaton's Batman might be in it? Like, whoa. We still don't know what the DCU is is because it had such an identity problem for so long. I kind of like how they're just throwing shit at the wall at this point. It's it's great. Like, obviously, uh, I don't think Marvel could make a Birds of Prey. What do you mean in that? Like that sort of style of movie, that sort of feel. I don't know if I could agree with that. But also like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they have what characters they'd bring that that have that energy of Harley Quinn. Deadpool, maybe, if they want like, to bring Deadpool into the MCU. I'm also excited for the new Suicide Squad. Yeah, 
it does feel like a more a less like a more unhinged version of James Gunn but like that also is because the characters are yes more like that I'm also intrigued with what James Gunn does whoa did you hear that car zooming by what a loud car I never know if it's picked up, so I feel like I got a comment on it. Mm-hmm. As I say, uh, like James Gunn is about to do a, a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. <laughs> like, tell me you're not excited by that concept. It's, I guess it's something I'll check out. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, I am more fa- most favorable to the Guardians. So I, I, I think they're I think they've realized they're doing different things with their universes. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is why, you know, it's so different. Man. And so I, I, I don't I, I don't Aquaman sold me on DCEU a little bit more. because uh, I the only two I really liked were Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey. I love Birds of Prey. And and this sold me a bit more. I'm I'll I'll watch Shazam eventually. Shazam I'm, I'm is more, amazing. I think you'd really like it. Oh, I'm sure I'll like it. That totally feels like a movie I, I'd, I'd be into. So yeah. Um, I I wanted to talk about where we, when we were talking about Black Manta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen's great. They they did him dirty. He is a bit underutilized in this movie, but they're also setting up that he's going to be coming back. Yeah. But like, he falls off a cliff and disappears. And he's never mentioned up until the post grad scene, which, like, I get what you're doing. He needs something more. I don't see. The thing is, that's one of those examples of serialized storytelling I don't mind. That's fair. That's fair. I did want to shout out Michael Beach, who played his his father, who was terrific in in his his like three four scenes. Uh, it's very good. Very, very good. Um, friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've actually got to see his role in an official movie in the podcast. For he has a short cameo in Finding Dory. He has a small, minor role, maybe even just a cameo in uh, 21st grade. Oh, they're both 21st greatest film of all time. <laughs> Finding Dory and Spider-Man 3. Uh, Willem Dafoe. Yes. You know, I the funny say, thing. The funny no. thing. Uh, was he in Spider-Man three? I think I, I, don't know. I thought he was more in like he had the cameo at the end of Spider-Man two. I feel like he probably had a cameo in three. Did he not? Because two had the moment where he was like, avenge me. And then he yes. breaks in and then sees the stuff. I, I'll be, I just assumed he had a, a cameo or a flashback. I do not know. You see, I think that's why people like Spider-Man three less. There was no Willem Dafoe. I was, I, are we getting to that now? <laughs> that's a long podcast Pohan. it's just a joke but like you know what more superhero movies need Willem Dafoe I'll be honest <laughs> little disappointed with Willem Dafoe in this movie not his fault his character doesn't do a lot I mean there's so many characters and there's so many good actors that like yo this is a stacked cast it is a stacked cast it is so stacked shall, shall we go through the list again I, we mentioned most of them uh, Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Dolph Lundgren, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Nicole Kidman, uh, 
Ludi Lin, Tamara Morrison, Randall Park has a weird cameo. You know, Randall Park. I, I'm I'm curious to see where his role in these movies go. I'm curious because he could either be a villain or a sidekick in the next one. Yeah. Um, shout out to Small Voice by Julie Andrews. <laughs> I remember when this movie came out. Yo, you look so shocked. Julie Andrews was in this? So this movie came You're out. talking the... about OG Mary Poppins was yeah. in this? This movie came out the same weekend as Mary Poppins Returns. People were like, Ju- Judy, uh, Julie, it's so weird that you're not in Mary Poppins, but you're in <laughs> Aquaman. And she's like, yeah, I want to give Emily Bunt her, her time. Also, I want to play a weird octopus creature who's keeping the trident safe. You know what? One nitpick I have with this. The uh, facial design of that final huge creature, it looked a little too similar to a lot of the big ones these days. Which one? The one that Momo is kind of writing at the end? Yeah. The one that's like the big monster in the final fight. That's fair. Because yeah. like it, it was giving very much the the mutos in the 2014 Godzilla movie, which again is another thing that everyone like mark that as you know they look kind of familiar there's like a very similar aesthetic going on with all those types of monsters which it might be like a subconscious choice to like bring those accents out but like let's 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 switch it up a little bit next time Ooh, how do you want to switch it up i'm gonna name a body part and you tell me what they should do with that body part We'll, right. we'll go into this later, maybe. Eyes. Let's make them big and round. And like the pupil is just jumping around all over the place. All right. That's <laughs> it. The podcast can't handle anymore. Because that was great. <laughs> uh, and then to speak, speaking of the cast, uh, the, the pilot in the plane, Lee Wano, Lee Wano, Wano. Wano. Lee Wanell. I realize like W H A N N E L L. Yeah, yeah. Where where have I seen them before? Uh, director of yes, Invisible Man. <laughs> uh, of what? In- the Invisible Man. Yes. Upgrade, and Insidious Three, and an actor in the original Saw. Oh, and and a writer on all on all Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious, and Insidious Two. Directed by James Wan. Yeah. A writer with James Wan. And then two more little cameos. I'm shy not because they're both uh, members of the Bill and Dollar Movie Club. Juan, tell me if you recognize where they're from. Jamie Nonsu. Jamie Nonsu. Uh, great actor. Can you remember his appearance in the Bill and Dollar Movie Club? Because I bet you won't. Uh, I don't. I bet you will forget the fact that he's in Furious 7. And he's like in a helicopter in the end. And 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 Vin Diesel like throws a grenade on the helicopter and explodes him. <laughs> he does a voice in this, and also a voice John Reese Davies. Mm. Uh, oh, what was he in? I know Gimli. who he is. Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Right, that dude. That dude. And he's Man Ray in SpongeBob. What a career. 
great cast, great cast. But yeah, I, 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 I was a little disappointed. I went a little more Willem Dafoe doing Willem Dafoe. He does what he does really great. I did get a lot of Snape vibes. Uh, kind of like Snape was like working for Dumbledore, but Voldemort's there. Is like, does Voldemort know? So I thought for a sec he was going to die. Thankfully, he did not. And we're going to get some more Willem Dafoe. Again, it 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 uh, it follows through that childlike sensibility where it's like, yes, there's a lot of death, but it's none of the characters we actually care about. It's like, sure. no, give him a chance to live. Like, we can't kill people. That's bad. But also, pew pew pew, pew, pew <laughs> explosions. And very like much pa- that childlike sensibility, which I love. Yeah, I like Patrick Wilson in this. I'm I'm not too passionate. Oh about my god, he does what he does do very well. He 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 very much knows how to play a villain. <laughs> very much, very much. Um, lots of stuff we still haven't touched on this movie. Uh, like, okay, another set piece that's more of a setup than anything else that I really loved hmm. was when they were driving through that countryside and the huge wave comes up. That's a fun. That's a fun visual. That's a fun visual. It's like there's some shit that you can only do with Aquaman, and this movie does it. I like it. I want to bring up the first fight in the submarine. Mm-hmm. That's a great fight. Um, Wand does a lot of like POV from the sh- from the point of view of the person in the fight. Yeah, and so you got a lot of head-ons with whoever they're fighting. Um, again, we mentioned the fact he he takes longer cuts, so you you see the full motion of what's going on. Uh, he uh, there's this one moment. What what is it? Uh, there's a lot of people like actually landing hits on Aquaman and not doing anything, which is, and he like laughs at it, which is pretty badass. Again, this, it has the similar thing where like, at first you're like, okay, this might fall into the Thanos thing of like, oh, is something, is something that looks like it's equivalent, just going to do damage at one point. And like, you don't know where his threshold is, but no, there's a very clear delineation in this fight. And and my, my favorite part of the fight is like I think one dude does get like a punch into him at the very end and he kind of like gives this grin and Juan like punches into his face in a close-up and there's this awesome guitar riff that plays. That was pretty badass. Again, that was that's also like one thing that was really cool from um the Justice League and stuff like that is the the theme music of each of the heroes. And I like that it did carry over into this one. Oh, that was, that's one of my favorite parts of Batman v Superman was Wonder Woman's theme. Uh, they, they got some great themes in this. Um, I will say when they're underwater, it takes a bit to get accustomed to it. You know, one of the reasons why I initially didn't watch this movie is because of my bias against watching films that take place underwater. What other movies did you not watch? Uh, it's it stemmed from me finding Finding Nemo like dull to look at. If you remember that back in two thousand three, yeah. So did you never watch any of the SpongeBob movies in theaters? Okay, that's different. That Shark Tale. <laughs> Shark Tale did have its boring visual moments. I'll yeah. Did you watch it in theaters? No, I didn't see any. And uh, I, I think I saw SpongeBob in theaters. The Shape of Water. That was mostly on land, though. But there are moments underwater. No, but I'm speaking of more like, I don't know. I, I was expecting like 
before I saw anything from this movie, I was expecting most of it to be underwater. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, that might be visually boring. So I didn't see it. But I found that some of the choices they made, because, you know, you can't actually shoot underwater like that. Yeah. Uh, jarring. The hair never worked for me underwater. The hair looked like it was from a PS3 game. And I don't know how you fix that. It's, it's, it's obviously very hard to do. Man. But that never worked for me. And it took me a second to get used to, they muffle the, the voices a bit because they're underwater. Um, I got used to it, but it did take a second for me to get used to that. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> there's, there's one joke that really got me. It really got me. Uh, the one where they're in that underground, uh, like cave under the desert sands that has sure. been there for like millennia, and they had to make this like contraption work. Mm-hmm. And then she grabs the like drop of water from his head, and mm-hmm. then he just says, "I could have just peed on it." That's one joke. <laughs> I found the 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 reaction shot they got of her to feel weird, but that's a fun joke. I it was so weird. I thought you would have brought this up. As soon as they're in a plane above a desert, I'm like, Uncharted 3? You know... And they fall down into this tomb with treasures. I'm like, Uncharted 3? <laughs> and I don't remember anything about Uncharted 3, but like, it, it hit me. You know what? I, I'm a... I feel like... So there's this meme where it's like... <laughs> person who has only seen the boss baby watching their second movie of all times like yo i'm really getting boss baby vibes from this <laughs> so i feel like whenever i bring up uncharted in these contexts it falls into that camp so i'm just gonna stop doing that <laughs> because like uncharted is a video game franchise that's kind of like trying to ape these uh classic adventure stories like that so of course it's going to go for all the big motifs like broad concepts something about being in a plane falling from a plane landing in a desert finding a tomb does he find a tomb i don't even remember what happens in the desert in the three. i i was a big fan of the sicily sequence mm-hmm. you, you brought up the the, the fish out of water elements for I, mira i also really know. much like the fight like the whole running that's a great sequence it it was it was there was like a similar moment in like Incredible Hulk I think where they're just like running through the favelas or something like that. It's been a while since I saw that movie. I don't know. I like you know what I'm I'm just gonna say it right here right now. Everyone so everyone can hear it. The, the, I don't know how controversial of a take this will be. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta prepare myself. Go. I enjoy sequences in big action movies where people are running away through cities you must love tom cruise movies but i i'm sure there are instances where they're done poorly right this movie does it so well because it follows them around the one one moment i fucking loved i'm like holy crap james wan you're playing 5d chess right now right Momoa like jumps from a building or something and lands and 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 has loads of trouble, and then it 
in the background, you see Mira being chased. And so it zooms in. Oh, yeah. Mira. The like the transitions are so great between the two. And then even when it's following people, you you get a sense of the buildings they're running in and all the rooms. And it's that sense of place that adds to the anxiety and of the chase. And and he, he, he does a great job with the chase sequence in this movie. Like, even though there's, like, cuts in between, like, individual moments when they're focused on one one of the sides of the fight, the fact that it's, like that it's not a cut transition, but like an actual pan transition, it really gives you that sense of connection of the thing mm-hmm. where it fe- it feels like one continuous motion, even though the masking is more in the, the individual moments when you're focused on the individual characters mm-hmm. where you do get those cuts, but like it still feels like you're in it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great sequence. I forgot to right now. The dude throws his head in a toilet to rest to see if to save himself. Again, that was it. It gives that like ten-year-old humor sensibility that I love. <laughs> he he really just throws his head into a toilet. <laughs> does he ever pull his head out of the toilet? Like, what does he you do don't from see there? It, but that's the joke. He's like he puts his head in the toilet. And like, also, you you do get uh like the small moments of Aquaman still being a hero, like when the bell's falling and he knocks it over. Yeah, yeah. I will Which say, is nice. Yeah, I will say in the moment the bell's about to fall on a little girl, he shoulder rams it right, and like ten people have to run out of the way of the bell because they didn't know a bell was coming flying toward them. But like, okay, I'm gonna put it this way: when making a Batman game. Well, love Batman games. Uh, there is a rule that uh, Batman can't kill anyone, and like sure. you can't have him like hurting civilians. So, like for example, uh, actually, I think a better example might be something like. So there's a lot of like driving games where when you're about to run over someone they just jump out of the way because you can't hurt people it very much felt like that i'm not chastising the movie for it it just felt like a weird thought process come on arthur that's the name arthur sure but like again it falls into that like campiness okay here here's what i was thinking at in that initial moment when the uh when I the, didn't know we were talking about this for so long. Go on. When the uh, people show up to get Nicole Kidman, yeah. when I was looking at those costumes, I was thinking, damn, I really missed Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, you mean the other Nicole Kidman vehicle? Yeah. That's when, she, that's when she's in, right? Yeah. I, I've Because like that, that costume aesthetic was really giving me those vibes. Well, again, it, there was fun in this movie. Yeah. Which comic book movies were trying so hard to be serious and be like, we're real movies. We're real stories. When they were all, they were real the whole time. People loved them. And so when it embraces the, the silliness of it and, and, and doesn't throw it away, but rather lives on that other reality, you get some wonderful stuff. Which I feel like that's more encompassing of the genre because, like, they aren't humans. Is is comic book movie a genre? 
Because you get a, there's an eclectic taste of what could be a comic book movie. You know, there's Aquaman and there's Logan. And then there's Spider-Verse. There are three completely different movies. Yeah, but I feel like you could say the same about Westerns. But those I, are that's still considered an overall I genre. I don't know Westerns. I don't watch Westerns. Well, there you go. All, I, assume, I assume they're all slow and sad. But they mask the sadness in anger and silence. You don't... You don't get that from Magnificent Seven. The remake, with uh, yeah, I don't know. I've I've never seen any Magnificent Seven. I don't know what. No, no, the remake. It it does feel. Oh, you're seriously talking about the remake? Yeah. Okay, I didn't. I don't know. I haven't seen any of them. It it does feel more like a. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It does kind of feel like a Fast and Furious movie at times. But you can argue there's an aesthetic that you you're sure to get from a western, the cowboy hats and the boots and, and the empty. And in this one, you could say the aesthetic you're gonna get is superhuman abilities. Oh, I like that. I'll give you that. I don't know if that's true, but I'll give it to you, because I can't think of a thing that doesn't agree with. Because me. again, it just feels like a surface level trapping that you're just assigning a genre onto. Is Men in Black a comic book movie? Based off comics. I mean, Dick Tracy is also a comic book movie, but I said superhero. Oh, this is superhero? I apologize. I apologize. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Anything else you want to say about Aquaman? Fun movie. Fun movie. Um, I do like how they were able to integrate all these different types of fights. Like all of them felt different. Oh, I love, I love right before the chase scene, Mira has this great fight where she pulls her powers from like the water and attacks all the people around her and, and uses the weapons against them. And it's a terrific scene. And I also love the way they differentiated each of the factions of the aquamarine people. Sure. That's good. And uh, the fact that they were able to throw in a monster fight element during the last fight. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved it. I love um, this movie forgives its villain. Yeah. And Nicole Kidman has line like, you have been misguided. He's not a bad person. He's just been pushed in the wrong direction. And I appreciate that this movie humanizes him like that. And, and I'm curious if, if what it does with that in the sequel. I, I thought that was just, that's just a very, I don't want to say mature, but like you don't see something like that in, in a big blockbuster all the time. You know, it's funny because it, it was giving me, it was giving me that sort of like uh classic uh, comic booky or like children's storytelling thing of like, Yes, he's his plan has been thwarted and he's defeated and we'll let him learn another time, which he might not do, which he'll probably won't. And he'll come back to do another hijink. <laughs> that's funny. Right. That's that's solid. That's I think that's our discussion on Aquaman, right? Great movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done, James Wan. Uh, with this film, James Wan becomes the eighth director slash director duo to have two films in the billion dollar movie club fun fact great i think i think it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that he's he's this great director uh even cooler director of color 
Um, but he, I, I feel like we don't talk about him in the same way that we talk about the Russos or he, back in the day we talked about Whedon or whatnot. Well, again, because it, those people are more like in charge, or at least at this point, in charge of a singular story, whereas it feels like Juan jumps around a good amount. And, and, and God bless him because he he has. I mean, a bunch he, of cool he, stuff. he he puts out bangers. He puts out bangers. I know Juan, you haven't seen his horror movies, but sure. they're bangers. Juan, <laughs> you know, I didn't need to see this movie to think he's one of the great directors of all time. Because you know what he did? What did he do? He starts a movie. About ten minutes in, he has a character say, "Cars don't fly." <laughs> and what does he do? He makes the car fly. How many times does he do it? <laughs> like 18 times. Great director. Incredible director. That's our discussion on Aquaman. And we have some more segments that we always do on the podcast. And we will look at them right after this break. Water. Because, and you know, going- when you're talking about Aquaman, what's he surrounded by mostly? The very essence that brings us all life. Do you think it's purified drinking water? Juan, what do you think goes inside purified drinking water? Um, Three ingredients. There is H2O, the water. There's some extra minerals stuck in there. And uh, I don't know what what third thing there could be. Maybe the minerals are two of the three. Ingredient number one. Purified water. Yeah. yeah. Judges, are we giving them purified water? They said H2O. Judges said correct. We're giving it to you. Number two. Calcium chloride. That is definitely a mineral. That is that's, definitely that's a mineral. We'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> number three. Juan, may you remind us what was your answer for number three? Another mineral. <laughs> Another mineral. Another mineral. Wow. How many minerals do you think are in the world? A lot. Do you think, you think they use another mineral inside of this purified drinking water? Yes. You're correct. Sodium by uh, bicarbonate. <laughs> that's what's in your water. No, that's, that's, what's in the, that's what's in your water if you buy from our brand water (laughs) back to the show thank you to our beautiful sponsor water water for this episode you know we we just knew that this collaboration was perfect for this movie because what better movie to showcase water than the waterman boy aquaman but pawn can a collaboration be perfect is a collaboration not a sort of art, like a movie? Mm-hmm. And movies and, have problems sometimes, and maybe they have small ones, but it's there. Yeah, it's not that it's bad, but it's not perfect. But we, we, dear listener or viewer, we or can smeller. make it so. We can make and, it so. We can. Let's time to fi- let's time let's time to fix let's this time movie. To fix this movie. <laughs> All right, I'll take the reins. Go ahead, Miss Simpson. How are we going to fix 
Aquaman. First off, right. He has that moment. Uh, uh, what's the dude's name? It's not Austin. Is his name Austin? What's his name? Arnold. Arnold, young Arnold, has that mm-hmm. scene in front of the aquarium where all the shark, the sharks start tackling <gasps> the, the glass. We didn't even get to that. No, no, that's not his name. <laughs> what's what's his name? His name's not Arnold. No, uh, his what, name is his Arthur name? Clark. Arthur. Yes. I mentioned it earlier. My mind went, oh, Arthur, like the kids show. Yes. And so right now my mind went, oh, it's a kids show name, Arnold. <laughs> so Arthur's in front of the glass. Shark attack in the glass, right? Shark attack. Wait, did glass. you just say, so Arnold again? <laughs> <laughs> Arthur's Arthur is in front of the glass, right? Shark attacking the glass. Scare the bullies, okay? Arthur touches the glass. The shark goes through the glass. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're copying Harry Potter 1. <laughs> the great scene when Harry's leaning up against the glass and the snake jumps through. No, no, I apologize. Dudley goes through. So instead of the shark coming out of the glass, I feel like, oh, you know what? That's one of those book movie things, I think. Anyways, scratch that. It's going to be that the bullies are up against the glass and they go in the water. Listen, sometimes even the fixes aren't perfect until we make it so. Yeah, yeah, workshop stuff, you know? Yeah. Even within your own mind when you're saying things aloud. Miss Simpson, would you like to continue? There's some barking dogs that (laughs) tell me probably... Them dogs know how to bark, I guess. Yeah. Here so, yes, the bullies are in the water now. Like, oh, no. And Arthur, Arthur, he's like, you're mean to me. I'm not going to save you because he does that later on. Damn, are you trying to make Arthur Clark into Superman from Man of Steel? <laughs> Next step. You mentioned how there's similarities to Black Panther, yes. Mm-hmm. And so when you get to the fight in the Ring of Fire, is that what it's called? Yeah. Which we didn't even give that enough time. Great sequence, great sequence. Very reminiscent of Tron Legacy. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Classic. So we're going to steal more from Black Panther. Okay. Arthur dies. <laughs> Arthur dies and Mira runs away with... Willem Dafoe, give Willem Dafoe more to do. And so they must try to figure out what to fucking do now that he's dead. All right, a little Black Panther influence there. Oh, oh, I have an idea for how uh, they bring him back. I have an answer, but uh, I would like to hear your idea. Um, They find the trident and they stab him with it. And that's what brings him back to life. You took what I had and then built off it. So thank you for that. Yes. they When they find the trident, they bring him back to life. And it's going to be... So they're carrying his body around. I like that this happens. But this is also like... They find the trident after the chase in Sicily. So they're running around Sicily carrying his body. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's more like, you know, they kept him in a room somewhere. And then they were like, 
make sure he's protected. So like it's setting up a side story for like someone uh, else that we could explore maybe uh, in a future movie. Sure, and then sure. they come back and pick him up. Yes. Yes. I see. I see. So yes, they get the trident and they save the day by bringing him back to life. I also had this note about when they fall into, you see these two corpses and they're dressed like Tom Holland and Alicia Vikander as the characters Nathan Drake and Lara Croft. Okay. They came looking for the trident, couldn't figure out, they died in the hole. Those, those are my fixes. Steal nice, from nice. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So we've uh, we've established for my fixes before we get into that. We've established that the DCEU it doesn't know where it's going. Mm. But it but it's got something it's got something good here and they're going to and then with this fix, these fixes, they're going to build off of this. So first of all, uh, at the end of the movie, uh someone when uh Nicole Kidman shows up again as uh the mom and is like talking to the two people. Maybe um, that dude who was uh, Amber Heard's dad is like, yo, is that the Aquamom? And then she's like, no, it's Aquaman. And then uh, we, we get, that's like a setup with that one line. At some point, they're going to announce the Aquaman movie and people are going to be like, oh, I know wow. what that is. Wow. Well done. Well done. So that's one. Um, so you, you mentioned the, uh, aquarium tank and, uh, I feel like they didn't do enough with the idea of, uh, Arthur working with an aquarium tank. For example, uh, one of my favorite, uh, pieces of lore about Aquaman, if you will, is that there was a period of time where he, uh, drove around in a truck, which, in which the ba- back was just a huge aquarium tank that had like one of each animal, each aquatic life form that he could call on to attack people on land. And maybe like that's where we find him at the beginning of this movie, trying to solve land issues because he's so attached to the land at the beginning of this movie. He doesn't know his people, but he's very much tied to them in that his powers relate to the sea. And he's like, how am I going to protect the people on the land? Aqua truck. Ah, you got me on the name. <laughs> the name sells it. The name sells it. Does Aqua truck also get a spin-off movie? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be like a buddy uh, travel movie where it's like, we got to get to Vegas. <laughs> Best friends, Aqua and truck gain the hijinks <laughs> together. Who knows what happens? <laughs> um, and like you know what, there, there, there's not enough uh, branching story paths with this, so we gotta establish oh. a few more. So oh. maybe there's going to be a credit scene. I love credit post credit scene. We had the one with uh, establishing that Black Manta is not dead. Yes, but we we don't have one establishing any new heroes. So maybe uh, Arthur Clark goes to his local uh, football, his local college football game. And he sees this man in the sidelines working his damned hardest to make sure all the people get the water. 
all the water they need. And then once the game is over, he runs up to him. It's Adam Sandler. My goodness. And he's like, listen, I see you, water boy. And with my help, you could be a water man. Join me. He started painting the picture. I thought, <laughs> no, nay, they shan't. They couldn't. They were wondering if they could. They didn't ask if they should. <laughs> and yet you did. And it was beautiful. Not even done yet. There's still one big piece of this puzzle that we have not even broached slightly in this entire conversation. So there is a classic, a, a very much of its time TV show that ran from the mid 2000s to the early 2010s featured a, a boy with a dream to be a big movie star. Uh, and it starred, it had an arc that featured him working with James Cameron on a special movie. What movie was that, you ask? It was an Aquaman movie. So what we're going to do is, you remember in um, Batman v Superman, there was that moment in the... Uh, when Batman was in his base and then the flash, but not his version of the flash shows up and it's like, no, I showed up at the wrong time. Something similar yes. happens here. Yes. Where in the middle of the movie, at some point there's a portal that opens and, uh, <laughs> and Jason Momoa sees none other than <laughs> shit. Where's the name? Give me the name. The suspense is killing me. Adrian Grenier as Vincent Chase as Aquaman on the other side of the portal. And they have a brief conversation. They're like, who are you? And they do that Spider-Man meme of like pointing at the other Spider-Man. And then the portal closes. Because in that other universe, Entourage, that's the reality. So it's it's not Adam Green, it's not Adrian Grenier as Aquaman. No, 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 no. It's Vincent Chase as Aquaman. In that universe, of course, of course. In that universe, it wasn't uh, Avatar that gave uh, James Cameron James Cameron his second billion dollar movie. No, it was Aquaman. He just needed to keep those blue colors. He loves his blues. <laughs> So that also sets up like, because they're also playing around with that in the DCEU where it's like, you know, there's going to be the Robert Pattinson Batman who knows if it's connected to the other Batman. Sure. sure. So now we're having the branching paths with yeah. Aquaman as well. Sure. Great fixes. Great fixes. Because like, you can't just let such a huge plot point of a classic Warner Bros. property go to waste like that. As you say that, I wish that Avatar two through five make a billion dollars so that we can improve them by having Aquaman join them underwater. Because, you know, James Cameron's doing all that underwater stuff. Oh, yeah. Didn't he say, like, one of the reasons why uh, Avatar two isn't done is because he wanted to, like, film in the Marianas Trench or something? Yeah. He was like, oh, the technology's not there. We can't go underwater enough. And then yeah. Kate Winslet's like, yeah, I held my breath for 29 minutes or whatever the fuck. She was like <laughs> seven, but still. 
like, wow. It's amazing. Amazing. Amazing like the fix is. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well done to you as well. And those were incredible. Mm -hmm. And yet they were rooted in something. Rooted in opinions. And beliefs. Which are like onions. They're overly abundant. Who cares? They don't matter. No. No. We need the science, the cold hard facts. All right. Yes. We need the truth. We think we can handle it. All right. Is this Jack Nicholson's voice? In <laughs> no, that movie? it definitely is. I not. don't know where this voice came from. I'm going to talk with it for now. We'll see when I drop it. I'll drop it eventually because it's going to hurt my voice. But- yeah. This coming from a man who swallowed his cough drop earlier in the thing. Mate, let's let's create a scenario where I'll need another one. <laughs> I've had quite the arc in this episode, all right? And part of that arc is that we're going to rank Aquaman with the other billion-dollar movies. It's time for us to rank these movies. Juan, as we do, we flip a coin to, 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 to see what type of sciences we're using. You know, what's another funny thing about this movie that we didn't acknowledge until now? It also had boats. If there's a secret recipe, I think we're finding (laughs) it. All right, Paul, let's flip the coin. Heads. Flipping it, and it lands on. You keep going. You just keep going. Science. That's all I got to say. Is this Masinson? Yes. Is this movie better or worse? Than Incredibles 2. I may surprise you. Will you? For I I enjoy Incredible 2 a lot. Incredibles 2 a lot. However, I came off this recent rewatch and it wasn't as shiny and, and great as I remember it being. Aquaman, I was not as fully invested as I would like to be. I acknowledge the greatness of it. And so I'm gonna say better. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So tell me, Masinson, mm. is this movie better than the cute is now a slur against rabbits bunny cop movie, Zootopia? Better. Okay. Uh, Masinson, is this movie better or worse than Avengers Infinity War? Whoa! <laughs> I thought I knew where this was going. I need a moment. This this is what it all comes down to. Let's see where Miss Simpson ends up on this uh, projection chart. Put, put place your bets now, even though this isn't live. Place your bets now. <laughs> where Miss Simpson's gonna end up. There's a lot to weigh here, right? Mm-hmm. I think Infinity War is a more ambitious tale because it's the melding of, of so many storylines and bringing them together. And it does feel like some sort of culmination. It's not the culmination, but it's some sort of culmination. Sure. I think it, it has a long runtime. That's a little iffy. I think Aquaman is a tighter movie. I was going to say Infinity War wants to make you think a little bit more, but I like what Aquaman does with the villain at the end. I'd say the performances, the best performances are in Infinity War. Ooh, that's that's a controversial take. I think the best acting performances are are, are the better ones are in Infinity War. Just simply, Bautista's uh, 
I am invisible. <laughs> you can't see me. Is is incredible. Mm. Um, I do so. Not trying to sway your opinion or anything, but I will say I, I, I feel. Talk, like- can, I, can I talk it out? Because I was gonna say I was gonna ding Infinity War for its runtime, but I started both movies at about the same time at night, and I was more invested in Infinity War than Aquaman. Mm-hmm. It is quite the decision. It's quite the decision. What I will I know, say, I know you. I know there's a place you want it to be. No, no. no. I, I'm not even going to just like say, I really want this. I'm just saying, I think personally that uh, there was a lot more varied fights and like set pieces in this than Infinity War. That's all I'll say. I think there are, I, I prefer the direction of the action sequences in this one. But I like the sheer spectacle of all the different powers in Infinity War. Uh, that's funny. So it balances out to me. That that's funny. I I I don't know. Here's how I'm gonna here's how I'm gonna say it. Right. You want me to pick a different movie? No, this is how I'm gonna say it. 2018, same year, right? Mm-hmm. Infinity War, nominated for best visual effects. Aquaman, no nomination. And that bothers me a bit. So I'll give Aquaman the boost. I don't want to give away this lot, but it looks like we're doing it today. Uh, Let's just just check the science. We we need to double check. So I think it's a a minimum of four and a max of four. Let's see what we get. Is that Atlantean number generator, right? It's four. Oh, wow. It's four. Wow. Wow. I don't know who saw four. that coming from the random num the Atlantean number generator. No, no, no. Wow. What? We have the top nine solidified. We don't have 10. We don't have no, the top don't. 10 yet. Well, let's see what we do have. Starting at number 47, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. At number 46, the Fudderwacken itself, Alice in Wonderland. Number 45, Toy Story 3. Number 44, the other blue movie, Avatar. 41, Transformers, Darker the Moon. At 40, the worst Avengers, Age of Ultron. 39, Despicable Me 3. Uh, 38, Transformers, Dinosaurs, yay, Age of Extinction. Number 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. And number 35, Captain America, Let's All Meet at the plain hanger and just have a little tussle civil war 34 star wars episode one the phantom menace 33 tom hardy talks in a funny voice the dark knight rises i thought it was mad max <laughs> are you sure it's not mad max sadly no Can there's I only mad one max r-rated film in this yeah. list and we haven't gotten it to it yet you know we did get well to actually there's, there's two yeah Go there's only one uh, do you not see what's at number 21? <laughs> Continue the, Grinch, the list. The at Grinch 32. is very scary. The Grinch is very scary. <laughs> number 32, The Dark Knight. Uh, at number 31, we have The Revenge of the Tom, uh, Marvel's The Avengers. <laughs> Who's Tom? Hiddleston? Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> number 30, Minions. At number 28, we have The Revenge of the Warner Bros. against New Zealand, The Hobbit, and Unexpected Journey. <laughs> number 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. At 26, who knew computers can do things? Jurassic Park. Uh, I think this man at number 25 did Iron Man 3. At uh, 24, man, it sure is cold when it's frozen. <laughs> 23, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, 22, hey, remember when people didn't know what to do, that we could do that with computers? Let's do that again now that people know it, but bigger Jurassic World. <laughs> and who to thunk tied at number 21, Andrew Stanning's Finding Dory. Jordan Peele's Us, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, and Ron Howard's Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. At 20, we have Maybe Furry Man Can Learn to Love Beauty and the Beast, 2017. Number 19, Titanic. 14, what if we do the superhero but swap the genders in Incredibles 2? You know what? Yeah, I, I'm Incredibles too. <laughs> Number 13, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. 11, uh, Bunny Cop, Zootopia. Number 9, Black Panther. Uh, number 8, Let's Collect the Jewelry in Avengers Infinity War. Number 7, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. And number 6, for 8. Number five, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. And number four, today's entry, uh, Aquamarine Boy Lad, Water Boy Aquamans. Well done, well done, well done. Arnold, Arthur, Jingleheimer Schmitz. That's his full name. Number three, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Number two. Uh, Furious Seven. Number one, Skyfall. Skyfall. I'd like Yo. to keep the list up for a second. Something we James, never usually do. Uh, James Wan's got two in the top ten. Yeah, not just two in the top ten. Two in the top five. Yeah. If we were to average all the directors with the multiple iterations in the in the club, he has the highest average. And the only person he's below is. Sam Mendes, Skyfall? Yeah, I, but I think that's the only entry he has. Yeah, and then shout-outs to Jaime Nansu, who is in Fury 7 and Aquaman. And so is the best average of any actor in these <laughs> movies, right? At an average of number three, the only person close to him is John Reese davies who's in number three, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and number four, Aquaman. Wow. What a list. If you want to make a movie with... That grosses a billion dollars. You need James Wan, John Reese Davies, and Jaime Nansu. And that's how you make a banger. And that is what we learned today on this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Thank you for joining us, whether Thank with you. your ear holes or your eye holes. We learned, on, we laughed, we loved. We drank water. We drank time. water. It was a time. If you haven't already, hit that like button that subscribe button on the youtubes on the spotify's give us Google a follow podcasts, on the spot is apple podcast leave a review why not 
that's fun. If you want to talk shit about us to our faces or whatever, hit up that email. We'll, we'll see it. We'll see. It. What is that email again? Paul? A billion dollar movie club at gmail.com. Yes, yes. Billion dollar movie club at gmail.com. Shout outs to Max Lismachio for the art. Love that art. Beautiful. Love it. Beautiful art. And join us next week. Uh, in our third entry in our month of superheroes, Captain Marvel. Captain we'll Marvel. see. I, we'll see what happens. I love me some Brie Larson. It's always delight. So let's see what happens. That was this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you join us next week. Or if you're binging this months or years from now, I hope you join us in like two seconds when you just go straight to the next episode because binging's fun, right? Ha ha. You know, it hasn't happened for a while, but here we are. Here we are, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary babes. We are here for another classic Pawan by themselves segment while Miss Simpson has to go to the bathroom. It's, it's been a while since I've been able to chat one-on-one with y'all. Hope y'all are having a good day. And if you get a chance, watch, watch Aquaman. It's, it's on that uh, HBO Max thing. I know it's, it's a little pricey, but like, if you don't want to do that, rent it somewhere else. It's, it's a quality film. Quality film. Quality. And like, honestly, this movie might have been giving, um, this movie might have been giving Power Rangers a little bit more than the Power Rangers reboot movie that happened a few years ago. One thing I can tell you for certain is that this doesn't show for Krispy Kreme like that Power Rangers movie did. And don't get me wrong, I like that Power Rangers movie. But it didn't have that like a uh, classic, you know, energy to the fights or anything like that. It felt like it was trying to go in that uh superhero gritty realistic direction, which I don't knock it for. You want you want to change it up. That's fine, but like this this was giving that classic Power Rangers feel. That classic feel. Maybe a little bit better because the action was a little bit more direct, though there were moments in like some of the underwater fights where it felt like the, you know, the putty fights where you could tell that they're not actually hitting the person, but like the person does the comic comic uh, falling over on themselves as if they did get hit and uh yeah it's it was a nice aesthetic that i very much enjoyed this movie was power rangers more than the power rangers movie